Welcome to Weekday Worship. Worship. <laughs> you liked my uh, you, my my enthusiasm. Well, yeah. So this is where being on radio and not on video is not helpful. But you were doing a sort of move that immediately reminded me of a scene with Chris Farley and Billy Madison. So uh, oh boy, that's what I just There's saw when I saw you doing your arms back and forth mm. like that. Yeah. So anybody knows. Uh, Chris Farley, Billy Madison, he's the bus driver for the field trip they go on, and it was it yeah. was from that scene. It was from a scene related yeah. to that. Anyway, w- welcome to Weekday Worship. <laughs> Sorry, that was uh, <laughs> You'll love this. I think it's okay for me to talk about, I know most of what goes on in a cohort, you have to keep in a cohort, but I can say this because he was unashamed about it. Okay. Matt Bolian listens to the podcast. Yes. Shout out to Matt. Maybe I got this in soon enough before he skips past he said something about, I always skip to like 15 to 20 minutes in because I'm one of the people that doesn't like the, the, the front part of it. So <laughs> so he, he goes past this part, portion of the podcast. Matt, don't do that. <laughs> I, think, I think if you were a listener to the podcast and not a participant in it, wasn't it me. you would be the person who skips past it too. Yeah, if, if I wasn't like obsessed with my own self, <laughs> I'd skip right well, did over. Did you listen to, um, you used to listen to Joe Thorne and what was that one called? No, oh, Doc and Devo. Yeah, Doctrine, Doctrine and, and Devotion. Doctrine and Devotion. Joe Thorne and his, I can't remember the other guy's Jimmy. Name. Yeah. his name was. Uh, they're at a church up in Chicago. Yeah. And they used to, they, they would like sit in a, they, they'd be smoking cigars while doing their podcast recording. Yeah, those, and they've got these real scraggly voices yeah, like yeah. this, both of them, yeah. and they talk like that. Yeah. And they would do that sort of banter at the front oh, end. Oh, boy. Those are, I always skipped past it. Yeah, those, it was, those are I some of the, it. like, bantery, gotcha guys, like, ever. <laughs> so you think we're a higher-brow a higher brow banter we're, than them? We're a little nicer to each other than those guys were. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so. They, they cut at each other a lot. Oh, yeah. They're, but they're, like, Chicago-type guys, so they're a little... Rough around the edges. Like you, just cut at them. you just cut at those guys. I mean, come Chicago on. Chicago yeah. type guys. Chicago, you know. The mean a little, streets. A little rougher, of, a little. The mean streets of Chirac. Yeah, you and I grew up in Gwinnett County. <laughs> you know, like. Oh, well, not all Gwinnett County is. I it's mean, not Chicago. It's not Chicago. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, we're not. It's like, we're like Nine Mile. We're like one street okay, away from Eight Mile. Okay, no. I've been to Nine Mile <laughs> and Eight Mile. I know you have. And yeah. negative. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're we're in Mayberry compared to, <laughs> to a final. Oh, Mayberry. Uh, yeah, we got a little Mr. Rogers Gwinnett County thing going on. So uh, what's going on in the neighborhood today? Is there something going on in the neighborhood? Oh, I mean, I didn't. I, I, I meant more on the podcast, but actually there oh, is something. The I will tell you what's going on in the neighborhood today is it's election day. Oh, Bill, yeah. Election day well, you, 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 you early boom? voted. I saw you early vote last I, week. I you took voted. my son to early vote. Did I? <laughs> Didn't you? Oh, no, no, no. I took him. I walked down there with him and his... Uh, my Betsy early voted that day. Okay. I early voted previous to that, okay. but yeah, yeah. I walked Kuiper down there and yeah, we walked. And you got your Betsy. sticker. I did get my sticker. Wow. Yeah. We have, Exercising uh, I'm not going to say who we voted for because I don't know if that's... Appropriate That's or illegal. not? I don't. Yeah. They'll get you for that. They're listening. Yeah. The government. Yeah, I don't want to say who we voted for, but we do have a city councilman in our church. We have another who yes. has been attending more recently, both of whom I'm friends with, and they, they both got four votes from within my household this week. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, yeah, the the very intense Norcross City Council election is going to be uh, yeah decided today. We should do a live episode, uh, a count. What do they call those when you watch the results coming in? Uh, oh, like the the um, election night in America kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Election night in Norcross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want a live from some local. We'll place. analyze. We'll analyze local politics for all everyone. the data. The exit polling is showing that yeah, upwards of a thousand people will turn out for this year's vote. Wow. I'm, I don't know if that's true. I'm sure that'll make the front page of USA Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we got that. What, yeah. what, anything else going on before we dive in? Or we just dive in? No, I like what we're diving into, so. Yeah. So you're anxious to get into it. Sure. Yeah. It's a roll. Yeah. We're talking about uh, the passages and kind of the, the theology that came out of the passages that I preached this past Sunday. Uh, some of my favorite texts in the whole Bible, particularly 2 Corinthians 4, 
one through six, and uh, just really hopefully tying together this idea of why knowing who God is according to the scriptures, which is something that we've been saying kind of every week in this series, uh, why that's a first concern for us. Mm-hmm. Obviously because it's true <laughs> and because who God is is important in and of itself. But hopefully we saw from the text that the reason why this is so important, why who God is according to the scriptures is first concern is because knowing who God is according to the scriptures is vital to how people actually change. Yeah, and I think it might even be more helpful to explicitly say knowing who God is according to God. Yes. So if we have an understanding of the scriptures as God's revelation of himself, um, I mean, this would be like, imagine if you... um, well, I mean, we've all got this concept, right, of like you go out on a, let's say you go out on a date with uh, your guy, go out on a date with a girl, and you start to really like this girl. I haven't and been you one of those in a long time. <laughs> yeah, and you fall in love with this girl, but like everything you know about her, she would not own as who she is. Like, she would never appreciate or feel honored or doted on if you love her for all the things, uh, imagining or... or um, yeah, imagining like a whole bunch of things about her that are not true of her, mm. right? She's revealing yeah. herself to you. She's unloading, like she's unpacking, you know, you're yeah. going to experience her personality and her demeanor and her story and her life. And if you if you decide that you love an idea of her yeah. that is not true of her, your relationship is actually sort of fraudulent. Yeah. I love your short brown hair and I've got... Long blonde hair. What are you talking right. about? <laughs> yeah, but your blue eyes are just captivating. Yeah, uh-huh. but they're brown. Like, yeah. she would be insulted uh-huh. if you love her according to who she is not, but who you wish she was. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's super important. Like, it, it, this is, it's the big E on the eye chart, right? Knowing God yeah. as he actually is according to himself. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's at the top of the, mm-hmm. level, uh, that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. And so with the idea of, of beholding who God is, and we kind of pointed that out as beholding God in the face of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, the ultimate image of God. Uh, Paul connects that to actually by doing that, by beholding who God is in the face of Jesus Christ, illuminated by the Spirit, that sight of glory starts to change us into the image of glory that we behold in mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. So, so this was like the culminating verse of that. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to, an, to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, I really, I didn't get to do this in the sermon, but thinking about that whole kind of biblical thought, theology we did a couple weeks ago of, of why it's so important that God is one and how idolatry is in the backdrop of that because if you turn and worship idols, you become like what you worship. Mm-hmm. Big story of the Old Testament. And I think that feeds right into to this. I, don't, I didn't want us to get the idea of we, be, we become like what we worship is like a defect. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it, it's the design. Yeah. Right? It, it, like, it's designed that to is, do that. Yeah, that's, in, that, that's how God made things to work. Yes. He made himself to be worshipped and for his image to reflect who he is mm-hmm. in us. And uh, so if we, if we think of that, if we think of the, the, what sin does, right? What does sin, what does sin do? What does Paul say sin does? in terms of beholding the image. He says we exchange the image. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we exchange the image of God for the image of crawling things and animals and, yeah. right, like yeah. inanimate objects. So here's, here's, the ver- here's the big verse. Paul says this is, this is what happens in sin with this idea of exchanging the image. He says, Romans one twenty three, And they, man, exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. All right, so they, they exchanged what? What did they exchange that glory they're holding? The glory of God. 
for the image of stuff, mm -hmm. of things, of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So Paul's talking about universal man there. He's talking about what, what happened in all of us. Where, have you ever wondered where Paul actually gets that imagery? Like if you're thinking about this as you're listening. No. Like, like if you ever worried, uh, wondered, okay, w w Paul, where are you getting that? Where does that come from? So I remember when I saw this, it was really cool. So I, I, I preached on the golden calf incident in that uh, uh, Lord is One sermon uh, around how, you know, they exchanged the golden calf mm -hmm. for the worship of God. I actually think Paul is getting this imagery from the golden calf incident. Sure. So Psalm 106. Which, by the way, they were not doing as an intentional pursuit of idolatry. Right? Like, Aaron wasn't going, yeah, let's be idolaters. Mm -hmm. They were grasping at something. And they were, like, they were, it was their own false spirituality, their own, like, they were trying to worship God on their terms. It was syncretism. In, in a way that, that was relatable to them, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where I'm just saying, like, this is exactly why we're talking about, like, knowing God as he is and as he's revealed yeah. himself, not according to our imagination or our impulses or... Or our intuition, like we cannot intuit God. Mm -hmm. He has to reveal Himself to us. Yeah. So, think about what I said. What Paul says, Romans one twenty three. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the image of of uh, animals and birds and creeping things. Okay. Psalm one hundred six. If you go back and read Psalm one hundred six, it's basically a whole psalm about the story of the Exodus, mm -hmm. the ups and downs of the Exodus with the Lord and how the Lord was faithful. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 106 about them at Sinai with the golden calf and think about it in light of how Paul talks about universal man exchanging the glory of God. This is Psalm 106, 19 and 20. They made a calf in Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, and they worshiped a metal image. Verse 20, they exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. Mm. I think Paul is getting the imagery of Romans one twenty three right there from Psalm 106. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Paul's saying, if you want a picture of what like universal man does, it's right there and mm -hmm. what happened at the golden calf incident. Yeah. We exchange what we're supposed to be, the image we're supposed to be beholding. Mm -hmm. The image that's supposed to, we're supposed to behold and worship and then it's supposed to reflect and we're supposed to change into... We exchange that image mm -hmm. for something else. Yeah. God for man. God for stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, it, and, and this is true whether we're doing it intentionally or consciously or not. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you remember, like, when you were growing up, this was probably a big thing. We didn't want young boys playing violent graphic video games. Why? Well, if they watch these video games and they do all these violent things all day long, they're going to become mm -hmm. more like this, yeah. right? This idea of beholding things mm -hmm. so that those things sort of get into you somehow and then start to play out through your life. They sort of start to animate you. Yeah, That's like, we intuitively understand there's that kind of dynamic in, mm -hmm. in just the way we live in reality. Just was, human behavior. Yeah, like I was listening um, to a podcast or an interview uh, on the news, I guess it was this morning or last night or something, and it was um, a woman who worked for Doctors Without Borders. And she was in, she's been in Gaza and uh, was able to evacuate recently and just got, got home and she was being interviewed. And she's, she's talking about being on the ground there prior to any of the, the outbreak of things when Hamas attacks Israel and then the mm -hmm. counter-strikes and all that. And, and she's just sharing this gut-wrenching story of sure, these last sure. 26 days or whatever it was for her. And, and they, they end the interview by going, would you go back to Gaza today if you could? She goes, wouldn't think twice. She's talking about all her, a lot of her colleagues. Like, she ends each day and, each, and starts each day with sending a text to former colleagues who are still there to say, are you alive? Mm -hmm. And hear back. And then mm -hmm. at night, mm -hmm. are you alive? Just want to know if they get through the day. They assume they're going to die. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, horrific scene, you know, there and where, where they're all located. And, but she's talking about all these things, and she goes, yeah, I wouldn't think twice about going back. Well, why would somebody who's gotten to safety willingly go back into a scene like that? 
mm-hmm. because she's beheld certain things. Yeah. And she's not the same because of it. Yeah. And knowing, like, she's seen things, she's encountered things, and having seen and encountered them mm-hmm. on repeat, it's gotten in her bones somewhere. Yeah. And it compels her, something that calls out to her so that yeah. she she can't just not respond to that. Mm-hmm. Or it, that cannot, that can't not animate her. What she's way. seen has shaped her. Right. Right. And that's, and, I think, the, that's the dynamic we're talking about. Yes. Of, like, when you come to encounter and behold Christ. Mm-hmm. Even for many people, one time it changes everything. Yeah. Right? When they yeah. really truly see who Jesus is and they, they, the, the eyes of their heart, as we sang and talked about on Sunday, are, are opened mm-hmm. to who the living God is. Mm-hmm. And they're changed forever. But then that one time isn't the only time. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. I think so. If, if we're seeing that dynamic and how much it shapes us, and we see necessar- necessarily, Paul's trying to point out the consequences. <laughs> of exchanging the image because mm-hmm. the same dynamic still applies mm-hmm. and how it's wreaked havoc. It makes sense that, like when you hear about Paul after that, talk about how God gives people over. Mm-hmm. What is he giving them over to? The thing that they're worshiping. Yeah, the thing they <laughs> like want. He's, he's like, you want to worship this and become like it? I'm going to let you do that. Yeah. He's actually giving you what you want mm-hmm. in, in, in so many words. Okay, if that, if that like... If the reality of that sets in for us, if we're being shaped by what we see and what we, what we behold. Um, and, and I was trying to argue from 2 Corinthians that the actual transformation, whether at conversion or even in sanctification that takes place, comes from this beholding that transforms us into the image. I, I kept trying to point us in, in the text where Paul seems to think that happens in the experience of understanding, comprehending, savoring the scriptures themselves and the preaching and teaching of them. Like through the Bible, through, mm-hmm. through engaging with the scriptures and the scriptures uh, being a place where the spirit can illuminate our eyes to behold Christ and Christ is raised up in the scriptures, that in that experience is where transformation can actually happen, where, we, where be, we begin to be shaped by what we're supposed to be beholding. So I didn't get to mention my sermon, but... So that word transformed in 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? When, it, when Paul says, you know, uh, we're being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another when we behold the glory of the Lord. Only a few other times that word transformed is used in the Bible. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, yes. It's the more wooden word there. Uh, you've got, it's used at Jesus' transfiguration in the Gospels mm-hmm. in, the, in the multiple accounts. That's where it's used. One other time, Romans chapter 12. Oh, yeah. Romans chapter 12, uh, 1 through 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So help me, I didn't, I didn't write any notes about this, so just let's, you and I think about this together. Like, so Paul says, we're transformed by beholding the glory of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like very, very dramatic categories he's like mm-hmm. giving us here, right? He also says, we're transformed by the renewal of our mind. By the renewal of our mind. To me, he's given us more mechanics into that glorious kind of picture of 2 Corinthians 3. Mm-hmm. So, don't be conformed to this world mm-hmm. means don't be conformed to a pattern of thinking, a pattern of uh, understanding. Yeah, there's how, do we, how do we see that juxtaposition between don't be conformed to the world and renewal of the mind? I mean, I, I think one way to think of it would be like maybe a word that, that would be accessible for us is assimilation. Okay. Like we're assimilating to something. Like mm-hmm. so if if you when you think about like cross-cultural living or something like that, you move from one culture to another and you over time start to assimilate to that culture that you now inhabit, mm-hmm. right? Um and so as as followers of Jesus, people born again of the spirit, we're now citizens of the kingdom of God, but we've mm-hmm. been located here in the kingdoms of this fallen world. And so there's this appeal for Paul where it's like, "Hey, you're going to be either you're either going to retain your identity and continually be assimilated more and more to this new kingdom that you belong to, yeah. or you're going to be reassimilated to the world. Yeah. 
in a way. I don't know if that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's maybe one image that comes to my mind or one idea. Yeah, that it, comes to my mind. Uh, there's a there's kind of a world in life view that's being formed. Yeah. By simply just being conformed, which to me feels like a passive thing. I'd just be conformed. Yeah, totally. Right? Like it's coming by just. It's a way just of existing. Like, in yeah, it. you're just being in it. So this yeah. goes back to all the things we've talked about throughout the the podcast this year. The yes. idea of spiritual practices. And yes. The, what the store are we living out of? Yes. Right. Cultural like formation. so, we are being formed by something yes. all yes. the time. And so, the, yeah, I think that's yes. it, it, it's kind of back to that idea that transformation is a counterformation idea. Right. 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 And and it and it starts with the way we think. Yes. Yes. What we what we give credence to, yeah. what we see as um, worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I think in terms of the pattern of the world would start to, um, it, 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 it's a way, the, the pattern of this world has, has a way of um, assimilating us to the value system of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would be, you know, I mean, these are, this is this, probably redundant to, to go here, but like, it's like in our cultural, in our generation and in our place in the world, mm-hmm. we have been, um, conformed to a valuing of entertainment. Yeah. Um, and th- this is a passive thing we do, right? Yes. We, we get on and we watch a show or a series of shows or we binge watch things mm-hmm. and messaging is happening in that. Yeah. And we're being formed by that, shaped by that, the way we think, the things mm-hmm. we care about, the things we're drawn to, the things we have mm-hmm. affection for, like whatever. Yeah. Um, in good and bad ways. Sure. Um, yeah, so so the transformation, uh, let's see. How's, how's that phrased? It's, you said it was... Uh, <laughs> Do not be conformed to this world, this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that starts to tap into... Okay, Again, so, renewal. That's a counterformational idea. Yeah. And it's coming from something outside of yourself. Yes. Uh, the renewing of our mind. And, and we, all, we know that Paul has in mind like the... Revelation of Scripture. Yeah, he's talking about truth revealed in the Word of God, whether yeah. by, for us, reading, study, interacting with Scripture, or more specifically, perhaps sitting under faithful preaching of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, both all necessary. Of that's, all of that's part of it. Right, so so just try to link these together. Maybe if you have time, look, go look at 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Look at Romans 12, 1 through 2, and try, try, to, just, try to just draw out some parallel. Like, what do you think? What's going on here that's going on here? So when, when I'm, I'm just thinking about this for a second. So transformed by the renewal of your mind in Romans 1. I mean, Romans 12. 2 Corinthians 3, transformed from one to eat of... Uh, of glory to another by beholding the Lord. Okay. Uh, Both seem to be activities that we do in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So beholding the Lord is, there has to be renewal of the mind. Mm -hmm. And renewal of the mind includes beholding the Lord. Mm -hmm. Both of those things happen in the scriptures. So when, when, when my mind is being engaged with the truth of scripture, and it's starting to, I'm starting to put the pieces together. I'm starting to see it. Mm-hmm. Not like, yeah, this pastor's saying all this stuff about the Bible. and it, I know there's something cool going on up there. You know? Like I, know, I, know, I know he's seeing something. But when you start to see the pieces of the Bible come together, particularly as they, they weave together the story of the gospel for you and its effects on your life and the person and work of Jesus, when that renewal of your mind happens, those clicks begin to, to take place. You behold a glory that moves you away from being conformed mm-hmm. to the world. It kind of, as the, as the song we sang on Sunday says, the things of the world, of the world go strangely dim. Mm-hmm. And you're illuminated to a greater glory, a reality that you did not see before. Mm-hmm. Like, and this isn't a mystical thing. This is a, in the putting of the pieces of Scripture together to see the truth arising in the personal work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it's there's a supernatural event taking place yeah. when that happens. It's an event. It's an encounter with the Lord Jesus that happens when the renewal of our mind takes place in the scriptures mm-hmm. that has effects on who we are and what we do. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really critical that we we recognize is he says from one degree of glory to the next. Yeah. 
Okay. So the idea is... I mean, From glory to glory, woodenly. So just a higher, yeah. higher, higher. And, and the implication by in terms of phrasing is from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. An unceasing to glory. <laughs> right. Yes. So the idea is this is aggregate. This is building. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't get you don't get top floor glory without having gone basement glory. Yeah. I, that's a dumb metaphor, probably. But I'm just trying to like <laughs> I can't I can't visualize it here with yeah, people. So yeah. I'm just trying to with. Um, so, I, I think, you know, it, it makes me think of how, like, when, you know, you can experience something for the first time, and it's, like, invigorating in a new yeah. way. But then when you sit in that, so let's say, I don't know, let's say you're in a new place beholding a new sight, a new glorious view from a mountaintop or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, oh, wow, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, if it's the same view every time you come out, like you eventually kind of get desensitized to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The idea here is that there is never a desensitization that should happen unless you stay at the same level of. Mm-hmm. Like, so mm-hmm. as you continue to behold more of Christ and get yeah. more, you get more glory, yeah. and then more of Christ and more glory. So it's it's always building, it's always amplifying yeah. and growing and yeah. and and, and uh, multiplying yeah. in a sense. And it's the reason why Scripture gives us so many opportunities and so many diverse of its parts to behold Christ. Yeah. All right. So to think about right now, we're about to in the new year start preaching Matthew again, mm-hmm. and like especially in the Synoptic Gospels, you get a lot of miracle accounts. Mm-hmm. Like we're about to preach some sections that are just miracle, miracle, miracle. All these different like. You're like, why, why do we need to keep hearing about miracle, miracle? And it's like, it's all these little glimpses into different scenarios in which the person of Christ gets to be shown and, and, and illuminated and, mm-hmm. and how Jesus interacts with these certain people and those certain people and this certain wound. And like, yeah. it just, it's, just, it's just new pictures, yeah. new ways in order to see the Christ of the scriptures come alive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's, it's... It's like seeing from a, a, an infinite number of angles a sort of infinite kind of beauty. The same glory in a million ways. Yeah. And, I mean, like we were talking about this earlier in our staff meeting through because of a book that we were walking yeah. through. We were talking about this combination of there's, there's simultaneously the incomprehensibility of God that is mm-hmm. his sort of transcendence and yes. the... The inability of our finite minds to fully grasp the well, infiniteness never. of God. Not even in eternity. Right. So there's that. But there is, alongside of that, there is still a real knowability of yes. God because he's revealed himself. Yes. So in his grace, he's condescended yes. to allow us to know him in, not even in some measure, mm-hmm. in substantial measure. Yeah. The ultimate expression being the incarnation of yeah. our Lord Jesus. So we, so we have a, a substantial knowability of God alongside the incomprehensibility yes. of God. But the idea is this that you can plunge yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into knowing God more truly, more fully, more meaningfully, more transformationally, and you can do it for the rest of your days, and, and you'll always have newness to discover, and you'll yes. never touch bottom. Yes. yes. That's, like, that's kind of what we're getting yes. into there. Yes, yes. All right, so, so in connecting those two passages, 2 Corinthians 3.18, Romans 12, 1 through 2, we're seeing transformation... Uh, by beholding the, the glory of the Lord comes from the scriptures. Uh, renewal of your mind, same thing, comes from the revelation of scripture, mm-hmm. seeing those parts connect, beholding glory. And the result is for us, we become like what we worship in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're transformed into this glory, which sounds, you know, again, it sounds this big a kind of glorious thing Paul's mm-hmm. talking about. How does Paul talk about what that looks like in, in Romans 12, 1 to 2? So he says... He says, uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And what, what flows from that? That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to, again, trying to see the connection between those two passages, I'm thinking, what it looks like to be transformed into the glory of Jesus is actually to be someone who knows the will of God, can discern it, and actually can, like... Be a part of the goodness and perfection of the character of Jesus. Yeah. We we can start to manifest imperfectly but visibly something of the beauty and glory of Christ yes. in real time and space through yes. through fallen yes. people like us who've been yes. redeemed and spirit, filled with yes. the Spirit and who are being energized yes. by it. My mind 
actually starts to take on the character of our Lord Jesus. I mean, Paul uses that language, right, of you've been given the mind of Christ. Yes, like, like my mind now is conforming or transforming into, I'm thinking like the will of God things, mm-hmm. what's good and perfect. It, like my whole nature is being transformed mm-hmm. into my instincts being the will of God in his manifold perfections mm-hmm. because Jesus as the divine man, like that's what he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. he is. He, he, he's a, he's, he takes on flesh, takes on a human mind, a human soul, a human will, and yet the, the glory of the divine mind, the divine soul, the divine is, will. Some of this is a little in. uncomfortable to talk about because you start to feel like maybe we're... we're, we're Mm, getting on the cusp of of something humanistic almost, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not. Like this like Peter uses the language of you are now partakers of the divine nature. Yes. Uh, uh, That's a, a crazy bananas idea, passage. A right? bananas a bananas idea. <laughs> it sounds heretical. Like I would yeah. I would never say it unless the Bible said it. <laughs> I would never yeah, even say totally. it. Right? But, but like the, like I want you to like this is true. Like I, I I'm uncomfortable with it, but I think it's worth pointing out and saying. Sure. Well, another thing, and I'm, I'm trying to remember where it is, but in the book of Acts, when I think, is it Paul and his companions traveling and doing ministry where they are, they are, the, the crowds gather around them and start to worship them because they yeah. thought they were the Greek gods manifest? Yeah. Yes. Or whatever? Yes. Okay. That's an idolatrous thing. And they call them on it and are like, hey, no, that, that's mm-hmm. not what's going mm-hmm. on here. Mm-hmm. But... Like, we have this this um, very unhealthy thing of, let's say, a, a worship of celebrity in our culture. Sure. And, and I'm certainly not advocating for that. And certainly most celebrities aren't the ones who would maybe look like God. But mm-hmm. for people who are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next, and if that's happening over the course of years, yes. and you get to sit down with people like that. Yes. You sense something. I'm sure a few of us, you, we, we know an old saint in our lives at some point who there's just, there's just a holiness about them. Yeah. A, 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 not a, a perfection. No, but, not, a, but not a purity, a, a glow. And, I, and just sometimes a, it even physically can sort of yeah, feel like it, it just manifests. A, like this is someone who has walked with the Lord and it showed like... like if we are truly being transformed and restored, having the image of God restored in us, mm-hmm. then there's going to come a point where me hanging out with you mm-hmm. is going to be something like going like, God, being with Caleb is like being with Jesus. Like, I just mm-hmm. feel so filled up. Yeah. I feel so encouraged. I feel like enlivened. I feel, yeah. I feel loved. I feel right. Like at, mm-hmm. if we're becoming more and more like Jesus, we're going to have to contend with thoughts that feel almost like, too lofty of another person. Now, we've got to guard against yeah. um, uh, putting people on pedestals. Of course. Right? But there's something truly biblical about seeing Christ at work in our brothers and sisters and recognizing it as the Christ, in, yeah. as, as Jesus yeah. in them, operating in a, in a powerful way. And I, think, and I think in the context of the church body, we can even diffuse it becoming a celebrity thing in one person. It's like... In our body, there can be different people who, man, they radiate this characteristic of Christ. Yeah, like that. That's a good word. For you know it. what I mean? Yeah. In ways that maybe another person doesn't. So it's like, man, I, I go to this person. I really, I, I just feel the, and and I see the, the generosity of who Jesus is in this person. And this person, I, 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 I just, I see the wisdom of Christ mm-hmm. really in them. I, and this person, man, I, just, I, I, I see the, the grace of Christ. Like mm-hmm. so, you just. Collectively, we're yeah. being restored Humility, into as the, as the body of Christ, as the image of Christ. We're collectively being restored into that, yeah. and so we each get, we can each uh, tap in in some ways, or, or bring to the table different parts of who Christ is, yeah. and and it become this mosaic of of presenting the whole Christ to ourselves and the world. Yeah, but like, I think in this desire not to platform people or pedestal people, mm-hmm. which we need to get away from. We shouldn't be shy about going, seeing somebody else operating in the power of the Spirit, walking faithfully with Christ and in intimacy with Christ, and God's using them and ministering to people through them. We should not be shy 
about recognizing that and honoring it and yes. admiring it and, mm-hmm. and even cherishing it in some sense. Yeah. And going like, what a gift. Yeah. Um, yeah. We probably need more of that kind of honor and, 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 and calling out that kind of dignified service and, and faithfulness to the Lord among us. Because part of what most of us labor with is, I don't know, I mean, I do. Mm-hmm. Like this sense of like, God, am I making, am I getting anywhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, am I making any difference? Am I making any mm-hmm. progress? Yeah. And man, if the people around us would start to be like sort of glory hunters in our lives to go like, <laughs> man, I see the glory of God there, there manifest in you this way. That's a new ministry Thank at you. Generations 2024, <laughs> glory hunters. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know I'm... I'm Somebody I'm, write that down for me. I'm a little uncomfortable with what glory I'm hunters. saying, but I do think this is essentially, I think it's biblical, like, uh-huh. um, to... Christ should be showing up through us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it should be, when a church... I mean, you've heard me use this language before, like... If our church is getting any traction here mm-hmm. in, in Norcross, in our yeah. community, whatever, at some point, it ought to feel like Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that should be true if, if we start to have dozens and dozens and even up into, let's say, hundreds of like, people who are following Jesus, who are mm-hmm. filled with the Spirit, and yeah. who love their neighbor, and are do, like, who are maturing from one degree of glory yeah. to the next by beholding Christ, it's going to feel like... Like, yeah. man, Jesus yes. is yes. is here. Yes, and and again, this is supernatural, but we're we're not. This isn't mystical. Like like when Paul talks about like this, he's talking about so you can know what the will of God is, <laughs> what is good and acceptable and perfect. Yeah, like we're not talking about you know mystical like stuff. We're talking about just the character of Christ supernaturally flow from our lives towards yeah. each other and toward the world. I mean, if you want to say, okay, that sounds, if it sounds mystical, mm-hmm. here's one of the ways it gets worked out. Like John 15, Jesus mm-hmm. is saying to the disciples, he says, abide in me. Mm-hmm. Let my love abide in you. Well, how does that happen? And then he's like talking about, well, obey my commands. Yeah. Let my word abide in you. Yeah. And, and then, as, as you do that, you're going to love one another. And all of these things are connected, right? Mm-hmm. So it's obey, obedience to Jesus. Yeah. It's um, letting his word abide in you. Mm-hmm. His love, which is conveyed through the word in his life, mm-hmm. death, resurrection, like ultimately. like So it it's by these ordinary means of, of grace that we concretely give ourselves to day in and day out as the people of God to the, like... Prayerful dependence upon the Lord. Yeah. Uh, prayerful um, delving into Scripture mm-hmm. and obedience to yeah. that Word. Yeah. Doing what He calls us to do in worship and in love for Him, and and then like the way that our lives then intersect and interact. Like the stuff we're talking about isn't done. It it isn't some ethereal, uh, transcendental type. Uh, a hallucinogenic like experience in a yeah. in an isolated closet somewhere. Yeah. Like yeah. there's things we can do. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So we've tried to piece that together between Romans 12 and Second Corinthians 3:18. And so if we're transformed by beholding the glory of the Lord in Jesus Christ, illuminated by the Spirit in the Scriptures, and that what that is is happens in the renewal of our mind as we understand the Word of God in the Scriptures and see the character of Christ, and it reveals His will, and we are conformed to the image of the Son. And again, it's building, right? It's, yes. It, it's over time. We're getting yes. deeper and deeper yes. and deeper The and same thing that saved us is the same thing that sanctifies us. Yeah. Beholding the glory of the Lord in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so if that's true, if that's what we believe about transformation, we believe that is how people change. How does that affect the ministry of the Word here at Generations? So from the top down, from what we preach on Sundays to what we're doing with the Bible and, and other teaching environments and ministries and even counseling and how we, we meet with people and disciple people, like how does that truth, if, we, if we're convinced of that, how does that affect our ministry of the Word? I think, I think Paul, in the next few verses in 2 Corinthians 4, he starts, to, he starts to make sure you know what will screw that up. <laughs> what will <laughs> screw up? 
that transformation happening happening through the ministry of the word. So he says in Second Corinthians four one and two, right after that, Second Corinthians three eighteen, transformed into the glory of the Lord. We renounce. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Mm-hmm. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What do we do with that? Like, how do you think about that? How, so he, he's telling us two things. A positive, we don't lose heart. If that's what can happen in the ministry of opening up the scriptures and teaching them and seeing mm-hmm. Jesus, like, man, it doesn't, like, if that's what God can do in this ordinary means of just opening my Bible, mm-hmm. like, man, I don't have to have talent. <laughs> I don't have to have charisma. Like, I, there's a lot. I there's a lot of natural skills and charisma and talent that I don't have to have for God to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's also on the negative side a lot of trust in natural skills or charisma or talent, along with catering or tampering or hiding, can actually that can be the thing that screws it all up. Yeah. I, well, so recognize when he says, therefore, do not lose heart, mm-hmm. that there's good reason not to. There's also a pathological tendency to. Absolutely. <laughs> so yes. I've lost heart in that. You've lost heart in that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, we all lose heart in this. And I, I feel like in some ways Paul's really trying, like he's exhorting us. Yes. He knows the temptation. Yes. He's He's gotten saddled He's preaching to himself right yeah, here. for sure. <laughs> like he's dealing with that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but what? Take heart. Mm-hmm. I've overcome the world. So Paul's, Paul's preaching to us, preaching to himself, this idea of, um, it, for all kinds of reasons, we will grow weary in doing this. We will be tempted to give up on this. Yeah. We will look for, we will see if we can't find glory other places. Yeah. And he's beckoning us, going like, don't give up on this. This is how, like, give yourself to this. Yes. And when you've done that and you grow tired of it, give yourself some more yeah. to it. Yeah. So that that negative side, all the stuff he says not to do, or that he says he's renounced. Yeah. Him and Timothy and his co-laborers, disgracefulness, underhanded ways, cunning, tampering with God's word. I've... People who know us, <laughs> you know what that belligerently looks like. You've never seen that here. Like you know what it belli- you you a lot of our people know belligerent what it looks like to do those things. Um, I've never heard anyone accuse us of hiding God's word or tampering or like trying to be beat around the bush. Like <laughs> we're pretty straight shooters. Yeah. But when you evaluate, like I'll answer this question too. What are the ways you feel tempted to do that sort of thing? in the ministry of the word as past as a pastor. Huh. I was thinking about this. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe... Like, maybe, so, maybe soft pedaling in some ways. Sure, I, I mean, I think this is one of the reasons why, for, for the majority of our diet, we preach through books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, when you preach through books of the Bible, you, and you actually, like, preach... You don't just skip a few, few passages that yeah, may be sure. tough. Like you preach through every verse. You have to, as a preacher, deal with whatever's coming next. Yeah. You don't get a choice. And there would be plenty of passages that would just be easier to not go there. Yeah. It would, it would be just, it would be, for, it could not even be a moral thing. It could be, this is going to be a lot of work. This is a lot to explain. This is a yeah. really heady. This is, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Uh, you know, this isn't going to be a quick, you know, Three steps in an application, like mm-hmm. so. There's, there's a this. Could, this is going to take a lot of work as a student of the scriptures to do. There's also, I just don't want to go there. Like it would just be easier not to go there, or uh, you know, it would just be easier to skip over this passage or do it in another environment, or you know, or uh, you know, or something in the text that you're preaching. You're like, man, if I say this, there's particular people I know this is gonna mess ruffle with, their feathers, ruffle their yeah. feathers, or, and I'm going to have to deal with, like, here's the truth. I want to be liked. Yeah. I want to be liked. And there's, there's things that come up in the Bible that if you preach them rightly, you, not everybody's going to like you. 
Yeah, there's also sometimes a temptation to try to make a text say something because you want it to. You want sure. it. You want to aim it at somebody, Absolutely. right? Like, yeah. I I think too, just the ten, like that that word um, craftiness was that in there or cunning? What cunning, underhanded ways. Uh, yeah, I think of like the tendency in our day and age. Tampering. To, tampering. Uh, I think about the idea of just getting creative. Yeah. Like there's the temptation to go. Well, I need to get create. Like the scriptures themselves. Like this would be my temptation. That the scriptures feel too wooden in themselves. That that mm-hmm. they're too disconnected from 21st yeah, yeah. century American life. Yeah. Um, that you know there's plenty of ministries that grow and get big and do well out of being out of a, a measure of creativity. Mm-hmm. And there's faithful creativity and there's unfaithful creativity. Yes, but there's. But I I think that idea of tampering with the word of God to try to mm-hmm. to get creative and to try to make it. To assimilate the word of God to our day and age by some means of, of entertainment or um, ex- to accessorize it with something yeah. more, you know, whatever, rather yeah. than just letting it be straightforward yeah, and letting it, letting it read us yeah. as, as we read it. I think of like when it talks about cunning, um, which is really a difficult word to know what Paul's really getting at there. I mean, it's a weird word. I don't, you don't really use that word a lot, cunning, what's cunning. Uh, you don't. You use cunning, yeah, a lot, oh, all the time. I've never heard you say that in your oh, life. It, I'm I'm three times a week. I use cunning. Then I don't know James Rowell. <laughs> I spend a lot of time with James Rowell. Yeah, I never well, heard him say the word cunning. You only appreciate me according to your image of me. Okay, it would seem, and not to who I really. I'm learning am. new things. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning new things. No, I probably don't use cunning a lot. But I think of like a lot of, and this can apply to like not just preachers to people doing any sort of teaching it, with the Bible. It's Really putting your sufficiency of what you think will actually like do the work, or what you, you what you think will actually make the most impact, being finding the right quote, or the right example, or mm-hmm. the right illustration, yeah. or the right introduction. Like you, yeah. you can you can put so much anxiety and effort into man. If I don't get that, yeah. if I don't get I that just... quote that nails them, or that illustration that really touches them, or really you know, you I mean, can. We you... literally talk about how to craft. A sermon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, Which isn't wrong. That's a no, good thing. No, no. I'm just saying like the idea of cunning or craftiness yes, or yes, this yes. kind of thing. Yes, I'm just thinking yes, like yes. it has a shadow side. Yeah. So so we, we like good illustrations. We like good, you know, relevant quotes to help, you know, bring things alive. But like you can easily put all of the weight of where you think the actual uh, like impact of the message is going to be on everything in the message outside of just the plain words of the Bible and explaining them. Mm-hmm. You can easily do that. I can easily fall into that. Sure. Right? And, like, if that's where I put the sufficiency, one, I'm, I'm not putting the sufficiency of what actually is going to affect and change people in the Bible itself. And, I'm like, if you're doing that, you're setting yourself up to just be anxious all the time because you're, mm-hmm. all all you're putting all the pressure on you to be the talented person who can find the right illustration or quote or yeah. example, like, you're going to put a lot on you that actually was never meant to be on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, which is why, and you talked about this Sunday about why Paul, uh, Paul addressed the fact that there's other more gifted orators than him mm-hmm. in his day, right? There's better preachers than him from a charisma and, you know, that kind of performative standpoint. Yeah. Um, and at least in Paul's own mind. So, but, but Paul saw his job not as to entertain or captivate people. Not, yeah. not that you want to... I mean, you have a responsibility not to bore people to tears with the Word of God. Yeah. But he saw his, I think, his responsibility as to exalt and bring into view with every means possible the risen Christ for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul, I think, he tells us, all of that stuff I just said, we've renounced. Here's what we actually do. Here's the opposite of that, of cunning, of tamper, of uh, disgraceful, underhanded ways. He says, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. It, if you're listening to this, whether it's here at Generations or whatever church you go to, I want you to ask the question, are, are, are the people who are preaching at this church, the pastor, are they preaching... When, when you hear them preach, do, do you think to yourself, this is just someone not ashamed, not embarrassed of the Bible. They're openly delivering you the word, mm-hmm. 
and they're doing so in a si- in the sight of God where it's like you know they're not trying to to get around things you know they're just giving you the bible yeah like you need to ask that question mm-hmm. you need to ask that question of us <laughs> but what, sure. i want you to ask that question everywhere you go is this just an open statement of the truth that would please god yeah if 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 you, if you feel really fuzzy about that question after going to a church for a while i would question if 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 this is actually going on yeah like this really matters, guys. Like you can you can actually obstruct the ministry of beholding Christ and being transformed into the glory of God by what we're talking about right here. Yeah. Like you can obstruct. You can stop that from get from people actually receiving that. Yeah, and and I think I think this would be. You know, we I I don't mind just putting this out there and saying it. Sure. That, and we do this even in our Discover Generations class with people when they're new, and we talk about. Uh, what the the purpose of the Sunday gathering is? Mm-hmm. It is our aim to, through song, through the preaching of the word, through the Lord's Supper and the fellowship of God's people, by these ordinary means, it is our hope and prayer and aim to, I don't know, if facilitates the right word, but to help lead you into an encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. We want we want Sunday morning to yeah. be about you. First and foremost, beholding Christ. Yes, yes. It's not, do we, now, I believe that's the ultimate help Mm -hmm. that you and I need every Sunday. Yep. I want it to be helpful in your job, in your parenting, in your marriage, in your extended family relationships, Mm -hmm. in your mission to love your neighbors or, you know, I want it to be helpful in every area of life for you. But the ultimate help you need is to see God as He is in yes. Christ, and so our goal, first and foremost, is that the the, the responsibility of the of of preaching of the mu- like music has a unique ability to move upon our hearts. Yes, right. We want our hearts captivated, and obviously the lyrics are supposed to uh, reinforce. Like we're not we're uh-huh. not just trying to get to moving. Yeah, know, yeah. Crescendos that that mm-hmm. excite you for with mm-hmm. no. We want you to be moved. By the reality of who God is, we want your so mind we, to be renewed yeah, through so the we lyrics sing of the song. The truth, both for our minds and our hearts, mm-hmm. to be renewed. We preach the word mm-hmm. so that you might see Christ yeah. and have your mind and your heart. We read renewed. it. <laughs> we take the Lord's Supper. Uh-huh. That something of our sensory kind of like, is awakened. Like we see and we touch and we taste that which represents we the body and the, the blood glory of, of the Lord at the cross. Yeah. Right. So all of these things are meant to give us some kind of real view mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. An encounter with God. Yeah. And that's, that's our aim. I, I would submit to you that if you go, if you attend a church, now, I don't know how well we do that week in and week out. And part sure. of that's of the spirit. And he just yeah. it. It's part of that's the heart that you might bring yeah. as the person coming. Oh, yeah. There's lots at play there. Yeah. That's our goal and our aim. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I think there are churches out there that's not their game, their aim. Agreed. I'm, and I don't need to get into all the different mm-hmm. ways. But like, so that would be a way that we tamper. Yes. We bring an, a, a different agenda than the word of God has for itself. Yes. Yes. We bring an agenda of maybe it's a, a, a self-glorifying agenda. Maybe it's a politically oriented agenda, like all kinds of different yeah. agendas we can bring to the table with the word of God. Yes. Our, our agenda needs to be mm-hmm. according to the word that in the ministry of the word, we lift high the word yes. made flesh, him yes. who is died yes. and risen and yes. reigns. At what we do flows from our conviction of what we think actually changes people. Mm-hmm. Like we're convinced beholding Christ in the scriptures Illumined by the Spirit is what saves and what sanctifies. Again, not the same thing as growing a church. <laughs> no. And we, we, by the way, like the Exodus account of mm-hmm. Moses beholding mm-hmm. the glory of God yeah. and then coming down from yeah. the mountain, and it says that what happened? His face, face shone. Shone. And what, what happened over time? It dimmed. Yes. This is why Sunday's so important. Mm-hmm. Because when we come together for that sort of, um, that, that climactic moment in every week where we are renewed in our heart and mind, and we re-encounter God, like, the, we come down from that experience, yeah. and we the glow diminishes over the course of a week yes. in the fallenness of this world, in the dirtiness of this world, in the struggle yes. for our, our yes. own faithfulness to Christ. And so we return each and every week 
not that that's the only place we can behold mm-hmm. Christ, but it is a, it's an appointment. Yes. That one's on the books yes. for us every week as God's people. Mm-hmm. We're here to meet with God and his people, to behold Christ, and, and, and to have that, uh, that radiance kind of re, uh, I don't know, intensified mm-hmm. so that we walk away. A and, new side of glory. Yeah. And, and that's what we do week in, yeah. week out. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope you hear, this is all we got. Yeah, like like this like you. There's no there's no big playbook behind what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We don't have all these sorts of things of of how we're gonna, you know, grow a church. How we're gonna attract people. How we're gonna you know captivate audiences. Like we're just convinced of one thing, man. Seeing Christ in the Scriptures, illuminated by the Spirit, man, it's what changes us. It's what saved us. All we can do is give that to other people. Mm-hmm. And so our aim is to give an open statement of the truth in the sight of God, of Jesus as Lord, in every passage of Scripture that we preach, Old Testament, New Testament. Like, we're convinced of that. Mm-hmm. Like, not that Christ is in every nook and cranny of every verse, but like, man, if you don't see Christ in what we're preaching week in and week out, yeah. like, man, we've, we, we, haven't, we haven't served you well. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so like this is this is this is what's driving us. Yeah. Now I I feel in uh, like at this moment I feel a burden to just speak, and so just if you have anything to add to this, sure. Directly to those of you who find yourselves not overly enamored with the scriptures, mm-hmm. Th- those of you who find them sterile or stale sure. or a little boring. You don't, maybe you respond to other parts of your Christian life, but somehow the Word of God has not captivated you. Mm-hmm. I, I want to I plead with you that, number. well, first I want to say you're not alone. Yeah. Lots of people experience that. Mm-hmm. Number two, I would say, like, probably all of us at least intermittently experience that. Mm-hmm. Even the most diligent students and voracious yes, studiers of the Word. Um but what I want to say is, like, two things that I, I want to just urge you towards. One, do not lose heart, yeah. as Paul said. Um, and by that, what I mean isn't keep hoping. What I mean is keep trying. Mm-hmm. Keep putting yourselves in situations, a cohort, Bible study, a discipling relationship. Talk, mm-hmm. Come talk to me. Come yeah. talk to Caleb, if that's yeah. you. If you find the scriptures just not compelling and mm-hmm. you, you want them to be, but you just, they're not. Yeah. Let, let's, let's find a way to get you in a context where you're around other people who are pursuing the word of God together. Yeah. And then secondly, I would ask you to please, each and every day, get on your knees and cry out to God to give you an appetite for his word. Mm-hmm. And to give you eyes to see him. Yeah. To, to reveal himself to you personally through his word. Yeah. Just start making that a daily prayer. Yeah. Um, I get it. There are parts of myself, I'm so frustrated with me and the me that I still am, the parts of me that are not yet transformed mm-hmm. <laughs> as we t- from Romans 12. Um, so I just want to, I don't know, if you've hung on this long to this podcast yes. and you're listening, it tells me you're hungry in some way for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I just want to speak to yeah. you directly and just say, man, do not lose heart. Keep giving yourself to it. Keep praying and asking God to stir in you yeah. these desires and these um, a sensitive a sensitivity yeah. to these things. I would also say if, if maybe you maybe if you're someone who you try to read the Bible and you just don't know what you're doing with it. Yeah, like it just like where do I even start? What am I reading? How do like? Yeah, you just feel it over your head. Like there's just all this stuff I don't have. Like, come talk to us. Like, man, this is. Well, like we love, like yeah. we love that. Like yeah. we want to help you with we're that. We're tired like, of working with people who like, think they got it all figured out. No, like we're here to serve, to help you understand how to read the Bible better. Yeah. We would love to if you've got, man. I just, where do I start? What do I do? What's some better ways to help really, really dig in the Bible and and, and mine it well? Like we we'd love to help with, with a lot of that. We, we would yeah. love to serve you and just sit down with you and think about better ways to. To help you read the Bible, uh, maybe one more category of people that um, maybe uh, just having a hard time engaging with the Scriptures right now is someone who maybe maybe you've really been wrestling with some of the stuff in Scripture, 
and it just it distracts you to the point where it's really hard to engage with any of it. Maybe there's some things in Scripture you're really wrestling, wrestling with on, on certain things the Bible says or teaches or, or certain aspects of, of, of what the Bible is about. Um, maybe somebody used the Bible in a way that really hurts you and you have a hard time like coming to it. And you're just, you just lost some trust in what you're reading in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're grappling with some hard stuff in there, maybe. Um, Which, by the way... If you take the scriptures seriously and you delve into into them deeply, yeah, you you will hit points like that. Absolutely, you we, you and I have hit points like that you're many times in things. our lives. Like yeah. if you're not if you don't have questions or you don't have struggles or yeah. things that are difficult for you to make sense of or reconcile, you're yeah. not paying enough attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember years ago, just really trying to, really coming across some things in the Bible that I had to wrestle with that really shook me up. Remember, just I couldn't hardly sleep at night. Just really, man, do I actually believe this? Do mm-hmm. I actually believe this is true, and this is true about me, and true about uh, what's going on? Even some of the stuff that Jesus said <laughs> yeah. really just took me for a, you know, it just really bothered me. And I, I was like, man, I really had to. There was some lines drawn in the sand. I I need to cross. Like I wasn't going to do the whole thing of just picksy and choosy of what's mm-hmm. going. On. Like it was either all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember. Reading John chapter 6, some of the hardest stuff Jesus ever says. And, uh, I mean, he's just like a whole big crowd, and Jesus just, I mean, he doesn't pull any punch. I mean, he just says some of the hardest stuff he says in his whole ministry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a bunch of people, what do they do? They walk away. Mm-hmm. They're done. They, it's like, oh, that's what he's about? Ugh. I thought he was just giving out bread <laughs> yeah. and doing miracles. Like, no, this is what he said? Like, this is really hard stuff, and uh, we're not about that. And there's this little group left, uh, you know, and with his disciples and his what would be the apostles, and and Jesus just looks at him and he goes, "Are, are you going to leave me too?" And uh, Peter says, "Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life." Mm-hmm. That was that just man that put that just settled me. It's like, what's the alternative here? I, like I, I love that. I was talking with somebody about this very passage the other day and just my own encountering that uh-huh. passage at some point. And I, what I love about it with Peter is like, I, you kind of feel like behind it, Peter's going like, we've thought about it. Yeah. Like we, Absolutely. Like we've kind of looked around. Yes. Like we've, yeah. we've looked for alternatives. Yeah, yeah, We're like, just going like, here's the thing. To walk away from Jesus and walk away the scriptures isn't to walk away into something without doubts and questions. Yes. Yes. So we're not saying that if you dive into the scriptures, all your questions and true yes. struggles are resolved. Yes. We're just saying there's bigger questions out there. Like, yeah, so for you and I, yeah. you have the words of eternal life, Lord. So we're in, not because it all makes sense that we figured it yeah. all out. Yeah. We struggle with things. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think there's a very human side of this that has yeah. to go. Um, yeah, like, if consider you're like, Jesus, you got to consider what you're giving up. Kind, kind of doubt your own doubts a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, am I, am I going to go off to... You know the expressive individualism, like, man, I I make life what I make it, and yeah. I gotta follow my dream. And if I don't, but, yeah, am I gonna go off to, you know, a different religion? Like when <laughs> I, I was, think about those, it's like I was just, listening to a, a thing uh, this morning, uh, not a debate really, but a conversation between Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris, and those are always interesting, but specifically uh-huh. on atheism versus Christianity and okay. whatever. And, and I'm listening to like Sam Harris, like, go on and on with all these. Just sure, you sure. know, he he yeah, sort yeah. of despises religion in all yeah, its forms, yes, yes. and and he's you know he believes in science, and it's like mm-hmm. science hasn't resolved everything. You think science has resolved all these questions? Sure, like sure. so, ev- everything's got its problems, has its has its difficulties, and and the the thing for us is, man, we've put our weight down on Jesus mm-hmm. and on His Word and on what He says uh, as as what's true, and the, along with Peter, right? Um, but yeah. like I, I, when when I examine the alternatives. I never come in a way, man. That that sounds more coherent and attractive yeah, and life giving sure. than just walking with Jesus in the scriptures. I never come away that way. Mm-mm. Like, doubt your doubts a little bit, and, yeah. and hear Peter, he, hear him, like hear hear in his voice. Where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, um, man. And those 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 words and that word singular is what transforms us. Yeah. So I hope that was helpful. I hope you get to see, man, what we're about, like just in terms of what we think about the scriptures and how we administer them here, our philosophy of preaching, like 
we don't care <laughs> about doing much of, of anything impressive or, or trying to you know, come up with the latest ways to captivate you. We just care about giving you the Bible. Like, we're not about gimmicks. The, we're like, the, we the just see, care the about... The day you see Caleb come up to the pulpit to preach with a prop in hand, you'll know something's <laughs> changed. That's when you exit left, okay? Yeah, that's when you exit left. Hey, we love you, and uh, we hope that uh, we hope that this ministry of 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 is happening in your life because of what's going on here. And uh, we hope you can help us be a part of that. So... We'll talk to you guys next week.